Go to overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash online therapy to get 20% off your first month of cognitive behavioral therapy with weekly sessions online with a therapist in addition to worksheets, a journal, meditation and yoga videos and unlimited messaging. There's strong evidence that CBT can help people who hoard and accessing therapy online can be affordable and accessible. Find out more and get your discount at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash online therapy. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Overcome Compulsive Hoarding with That Hoarder podcast. I am drowning in stuff and trying to find a way out. Listen as I explore the issues and delve deep as somebody profoundly affected by hoarding disorder. Find out more, including links to subscribe to the podcast at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk and find the links there to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit and all over the place. So, I'm going to start today by mentioning that I am going to do a Q&A episode. Various people have asked me if I would, and I've had some questions sent through already. But to make it worth doing a full episode, I need some cues for me to A. So if you have anything you would like to ask me about my experiences, about what I know, about what you think, send them over. You can email info at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk or find me on social media all linked to from my website. So my guest today is someone you're now familiar with. This is Dr. Jan Eppingstall, a counsellor in Australia who specialises in working with people with hoarding disorder using acceptance and commitment therapy. She even has a PhD in hoarding, so is a mine of useful and actionable information. So before we start, I saw some research the other day that will please Jan, who is a big fan of being curious when tackling your hoard. Because a study has shown that podcast listeners are more likely to be curious and less neurotic than people who don't listen to podcasts. Now, I can't comment on the neurotic side of it as a reasonably neurotic person, but having curious listeners can only be a good thing. So hello, Jan. Hello. Hello. I love that. I'm very happy with that. Curiosity is, yeah, is, is king. Excellent. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about a topic that is applicable to many areas of life, but that can get in the way of overcoming hoarding in particular, and that is procrastination. So, Jan, let's start with what procrastination is, because it strikes me that it's more than just avoiding something. It's about actively doing one thing in order to avoid doing a different thing. Mm, yeah, well, we all put off 
doing stuff we could do today until tomorrow and you know we wait till the deadline looms or passes us by and then we're kind of running on adrenaline and we rush to the finish um and a lot of people think that it's a modern internet era thing this kind of procrastination but ancient civilization struggled with it too because it's just human nature we want to do the fun stuff and avoid the drudgery of the banal that is the core of it but um over the past kind of 20 years, there's been a lot of uh, research around procrastination. And whilst most of us procrastinate, not all of us are procrastinators. Okay. Yeah. So chronic procrastinators pathologically avoid difficult tasks and may deliberately look for distractions. True procrastination is a complicated kind of breakdown of self-regulation. We have a goal that we'd like to attain, but we can't get out of our own way to do the necessary work. So it's that gap between intention and action. Experts kind of define it as the voluntary delay of some important task we intend to do, despite knowing that we'll suffer, we'll, we'll suffer as a result. Because we do know, don't we? we? We know that we're causing ourselves stress. <laughs> we know it's not it's not like it's um it's it's really not like we are oblivious we know that we're doing the wrong thing and that's what's so frustrating for people that's the most difficult part about it because we are conscious of our uh, inability to get that gap between intention and action <laughs> to close so why do, I mean so Jan, fix the world. Why fix the do world. People, okay. All right. why, why do people procrastinate? I know that's a huge, huge question. Oh, the why is not yeah, it's the why is not so hard. I guess it's the yeah, it's the actual stopping it. But yeah. first we need to establish one thing. Humans don't do things without reason. There's always a payoff. So researchers kind of define this quite nicely by saying procrastinators often cope with the anxiety and threat from the potential accomplishment of a task by actively avoiding the start of a task until there is insufficient time to perform optimally, which I like a lot because it's basically saying we're silly and we leave it right to the last minute and then there's no way we can do anything about it. It's like, oh, that's fancy words for, you know, (laughs) we chose not to try rather than we tried and failed, you know. Um, It's just a a nice fancy way to to say that. But um, we procrastinate to avoid the start or completion of a task I guess because the outcome involved kind of threatens our self-esteem. Yeah. Um, And we call that avoidance procrastination. But there's also another type, which is the postponement of necessary decisions that then push that decision further away from outcomes that may threaten the individual's self-esteem. So that's your indecision procrastination. Um, It's also often a result of kind of our perceived lack of self-efficacy so we don't think we know how to do the task, so we just keep oh, putting it yeah. off. Better to say we didn't try, yeah, than yeah. try and fail. Like, and that's that's one of the big ones. We don't really think we don't deep in deep in ourselves. We think oh, I can't actually do that. Yeah. So if I keep pushing it out, something will happen, you know, and I won't have to do it. I do that with stuff in the home I do it at work as well if there's a piece mm. of work that I don't feel I'm capable of then I delay and delay and delay it's it's mm. awful and yeah and I'm the same with I don't know how to tackle that room so I will make some soup yeah exactly and we kind of don't know where to start often yeah. we're stressed from other parts in our lives so that stress kind of folds over into whatever that action is that you need to take or the task kind of seems unclear like oh what am I actually doing and yeah. how can I you know and it feels too big and too complex like wow this is a massive thing that's just a blob how can I break it down and I think those are the reasons mainly why we do it. I also had a work situation recently where I had to do some work on a document that someone sent me and I left it late and 
then I became convinced that the document would be corrupted somehow and I would have to ask the person who sent it to send me another version and that would be admitting that I hadn't started it yet. And so that made me oh. even more scared to try and open the document, which was fine in the end, because, <laughs> because I would have to admit that I'd left it so late. And, of course, everything was fine. It was fine. Everything was fine, yeah. And that's another thing. It's like, oh, something, you know, kind of you build up. Yeah. You build up this kind of thought process in your head that something bad's going to happen because you delayed doing it. Mm, mm. And it can become so big that you <laughs> try and lie and get your way out of it, which just yeah. makes it even worse. So this might initially sound a bit of a strange question but would you does procrastination kind of serve a purpose for our minds i was thinking about the way that eating disorders for instance obviously are damaging but they serve in in the people who have them there's a misguided sense that actually it's a a means of control or if somebody self-injures that can help them to manage their feelings so it's kind of about a negative thing, but our minds think there's some benefit from it. Mm, exactly. So it's like a maladaptive way of managing our emotions. Yeah. So if we can deal with our emotions, we can stay on task. But if we feel bored or sad or angry or frustrated, we look elsewhere, right? So chronic procrastinators prefer short-term pleasurable activities at the expense of future goals. Yeah. That's it in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. That that quick hit, that quick feeling, good feeling, because it might be too frustrating or difficult to do that bigger job is what stops chronic procrastinators. It's that short-term pleasure from those activities. I mean, some people think procrastination and guilt are the best motivators, though. You know, often chronic procrastinators see each act of procrastination as a one-off act. Like they won't repeat that, but then they do it again and again and again. You know, you often, yeah. I don't know if you do that yourself, you kind of think to yourself, oh, just this once I won't, <laughs> dot, 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 dot. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> we're there again doing it the second time, you know. I certainly know if it's something that has a deadline that you're now rushing to meet, there's also that I am never doing this again. I'm never leaving it late again. I'm never putting this off again. I'm going to be able to, you know, because I'm really strict about meeting my deadlines and I do. Yeah, but I put yeah. myself through so much extra stress by needing to be close to the deadline. Exactly. And that's that idea, you know, oh, it's a good motivator, but the stress is not worth it because it's not really great for us. I mean, procrastinators have higher levels of stress and lower well-being. Um, and, you know, we've kind of all got a friend or someone we know that delayed going to the doctor because, you know, <laughs> they just will, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, I won't bother to get that check up. And then it's too late for treatment. It's It can be extremely, yeah, damaging to your health. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know a lot of people recommend having things external to yourself to prompt you, like a deadline or a list to break out of procrastination. And I can certainly find those things help. Why might those things work? Okay. This is really important for everyone. And I bang on about it all the time with my kids and my clients. If you don't write the task down in a list those tasks lurk at the edge of the four or so slots of your working memory. I'm sounding very teacherish now. But <laughs> <laughs> so this is valuable mental real estate and it impacts your ability to do other focus work. So you always have these random to-dos kind of floating around as you're attempting to pay attention to your project that you're currently working on. If it's on a list, it's out of working memory. And the main thing is you need to be able to trust your system of capturing those to-dos, though. That is the most important. That's the second, um, second step. Trust the system that you're putting your to-dos into. I'm, yeah, I'm a big believer in lists. And it took me a long time to get a list system that worked for me. I would write lists and lose them, or I would write mm. lists and have no way of 
managing repeating tasks or, you know, there was a lot of, and I, I tried lots of things and eventually found a website that, um, I use that runs my entire life called Toodle Do, which I will link to in the, in the show. I love the name. It's good, isn't it? It's good. Yeah. What I like about it in particular is the repeating tasks functionality because that was where I was struggling before. Mm. Basically, you can you can put a task on your to-do list and you can have it as a repeating task, whether that's daily or weekly or quarterly or annually. And if you have a repeating task, say I have something I want to do every Wednesday, I put it in for Wednesday as a repeating task. And then as I tick it off, it inserts it into the following Wednesday. Ah, okay. Because one of the things I was up against and struggling with was transferring repeating tasks. I couldn't be bothered to weekly write out the same things again and again. Or, And so for me, that's working really, really well. And it's free. I think there is a paid option, but I don't use it. It, it offers extra functionality, but I don't particularly need it. But oh. it's the kind of thing that has helped me so much. I would pay for it if, if necessary, yes. because, you know, sometimes it's worth it. But you're absolutely right. It's not just about writing it down. It's about writing it down in a way that that really does work. Mm, yeah, and that you know you can retrieve it. <laughs> you know where it's gone because yeah. that's part of the, you know, if you don't do that, then you're still using your working memory to kind of keep those things in the top of mind. But transforming distant deadlines as well into daily ones um, so you know what you need to achieve each day to meet those deadlines without stress is another good way to kind of externalise it because a blob of a, uh, of a project is just too much and that's why we want to procrastinate because it's not specific what we need to do next. And that's why I like the whole what is the very next smallest thing I can do towards achieving that goal, whatever it is, this, like a tiny, tiny, the smallest step. It might be, you know, find the phone number for that person or it might be, you know, open up that file or, you know, something just tiny so that I know where I'm at when I go back to it next time. Are you familiar with the GTD system? Yes, that's what I kind of use. That's kind of my, the backbone of of my story, kind of storage system, if you like, of my information, yeah. Yeah, I use some of it. I um, read the book, which was great. Listened to the guy talk a few times. It doesn't all work for me, but I feel like I've taken from it the um, the the useful bits. And for me, something really useful in there is the next action. Yes. Concept. You don't write down, write a book. You write mm. down what the next action you need to take is in order to eventually, you know, write a book <laughs> and, um, or whatever your task is. Do you hold your home? You don't write on your to do list. Do you hold? Do you hold? It's like, okay. You might <laughs> take out those three bin bags. Exactly. Yeah. That sort of thing. Just the very smallest piece that you can break off and achieve. Um, and I know a lot of people feel that that's kind of, too small a too small a piece but you know a thousand steps and all that like you can't really do it without doing every single little step the other thing I I read a book I I don't recommend the book it was a bit bit all over the place but it was about deadlines um okay and you know trying to trick your mind with a false deadline of your own a week before it's due so that you've got that rush of stress that you may think you need um, without that kind of consequence of missing the deadline. But you've got to be sure that you can fool yourself enough and don't just (laughs) ignore it. I have tried that and it doesn't work for me. I I know full well it's it's a fake deadline. It's like when I was a kid, I once set my clock, five, my watch five minutes faster so I wouldn't be late for the bus to school. But of course, I would look at my watch and say, it's five, it says five past eight, so it's eight o'clock. You know, my, I, it doesn't work for me. However, I'm sure it does work for some people and it's worth trying. <laughs> it is worth trying, but I agree. That's what kind of my thought process was. I don't know that I'd be able to, I'd be able to <laughs> get my brain to believe that. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> 
I try to use something that I've read is called productive procrastination, where you harness the need to busy yourself with something in order to avoid something else to achieve something productive. So I will say, need to check that email and I'll be procrastinating about that. But instead of procrastinating by checking Twitter, I will try and procrastinate by filling the washing machine. It's like when I see people on Facebook say, can you tell I've got a big deadline, like my house is spotless. Obviously, that's not one I say myself. <laughs> but um, but I guess I see it as a way to get something done, even if it wasn't the thing I had planned. But is that actually advisable, would you say, or should we try to stay on track with the original task? Mm, ah, the old pr- productive procrastination or structured pr- procrastination, some people call it. Doing beneficial things while you're delaying doing more important things. Yeah, um, I get it. I kind of feel like this is where we engage in busy work, like that isn't urgent or is of low value. And ticking off those items on the to-do list feels productive, but you're actually not making progress towards the important work. I mean, no judgment because I don't know if you've done this. I know I have. Do you write down items that you've done on your to-do list? In order to tick them off. cross it off? Yeah. 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 I put my hand up. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. I feel like I've, I've achieved something. Yes, I did that, even though it wasn't on the list of things to do and wasn't even important. I can't, I do quite like, and I was doing this for a long time, was keeping a done list as well as a to-do list so that I could separate out and so that I could see where that time was going. And, yes, it was semi-productive, but I could see that I wasn't getting those big ticket items ticked off. So it gave me a good contrast when I reviewed it. Um, I mean, the washing needs to be done, but we need to ask ourselves if it's important and urgent. Um, So, I mean, if we need to put the washing on because we have no undies and we've got a job interview tomorrow, then I'd say it's important and urgent. But then how does that compare with checking my email? Um, And some people use like that Eisenhower matrix. Yeah, the important, urgent, not important, yeah. Yeah, important and non-urgent, spend most time of your work here, Um, important and urgent, do it now kind of stuff and non-important, non-urgent, just ignore it and then you're non-important and urgent, delegate or outsource. So, you know, there is a kind of way. It is hard though because you do have to really be honest with yourself about what what are the things that are going to get you to the goal. Yeah. Um, What is it you can do today to get you to that goal? So I guess... Better to put the washing on than not put the washing on, but even better to do the thing you were supposed to be. You were supposed to. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there are things like blockers you can put on your web browser or on your phone. If, like, I'm thinking particularly of people who procrastinate by going on social media, which I'm not completely innocent of. And well, actually, there's two Wait, One is a blocker that just doesn't let you on Facebook at all or, mm. you know, whichever site you're thinking of. The other is something that just monitors how much time you spend on each because mm. I suspect a lot of people would be shocked by they think they've nipped over to Facebook for five minutes or to Twitter for 10 minutes. But if they've got something monitoring how long they're on each website and actually look at it at the end of the day, I suspect a lot of people might be surprised. Yes. Yeah, you get a bit of a shock. Yeah. And that's like you you can use like a commitment device to help you, which is like a choice that you make in the present to control your actions in the future. So, you know, you want to increase the friction of your bad habits so you don't even have the opportunity to engage in them. Like, you know, you're just using the example of social media. It's a massive time suck. Yeah. Um, and we and we kind of need to find a way to remove that mental confectionery because it is, it's like it's mental, you know, sweets, isn't it? You know, it's just there. We want to nibble on them all the time if they're there. So, you know, if we feel a tiny bit bored or we have a tiny bit of frustration or, you know, downtime we head over there and we play games or we're on social media um but you know if you're serious about changing that i mean deleting the apps off your phone for a month yeah 
there's no way you're going to go back and reload them all unless you're desperate. Um, if it feels too drastic, you might just change all your passwords and only log in on the weekend. There are ways. If you've got something that's a huge project that you are determined to achieve or to complete, then there are ways you can go around it. Um, the other one I like, which I haven't tried myself and I've been, I've been threatening, Perhaps you're tempted to stay up really late watching telly, streaming and scrolling on the internet on your phone into the wee hours. Getting an outlet timer and plug it in between your internet router and the PowerPoint, set Uh, it for 10 and you have a circuit breaker. That's You're forced to go to bed because the internet goes down. That's like that's it. You know, maybe maybe too far for some people, but I think, I mean, I've been saying I would do it with my children, but I still haven't because I'm I'm still using it in half half the night. So Yeah. But that's that's an option. Yeah. And the thing with any of these things is of course there's a workaround. Of course, mm. you know, you can go and plug it back in again. Of course you can delete the app from your you know, oh reinstall the app on your phone. Of course you can mm. switch off the website, you know, blocker. But even just putting an interruption there I think would stop because a lot of it's automatic we don't even think mm. about it and it would stop that automatic thing and it would also yes even if it even if you thought oh, I really want to watch another half hour of that Netflix show if the breaker kicks in and you might think well I could plug it back in but just having that interruption there would make you think mm. is it really that important or should I actually exactly I know and my, and my router is actually in like a little cupboard that you can't access without lifting up all of this stuff and removing <laughs> it. So it's perfect. If I set it up, I'd never want to change it because it would be so much hard work to get back in there. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I might use my uh, I might use my data a bit more. Maybe I might be really silly and start using data instead. I saw. I think it was on Twitter. Somebody, a woman, had texted her kids and said I've changed the Wi-Fi password when you send me photos of your tidy bedrooms I will send you the new password exactly that was quite nice exactly Exactly. I love that idea she got photos back pretty quickly of tidy bedrooms pretty quickly exactly yeah exactly yeah, and some people do that. They change it every single day. They just change the, the password for the Wi-Fi every day uh, automatically and people have to try <laughs> achieve the achieve their um, to-do list before they're allowed back on. That's, that's thought-provoking. It's an option. It is an option, yeah. We've done a previous episode about perfectionism, which I expect can play into the urge to procrastinate. Do you have any thoughts on that? Mm, yeah, definitely. Like perfectionism is kind of there on the front line, the fear of failure, specifically the fear of making mistakes that then leads us into kind of analysis paralysis. If we feel we might be judged because of our wrong decisions then putting off the decisions and actions can kind of tend to protect our self-esteem. Um, and different types of perfectionists will procrastinate in different ways. So Mm. procrastinating perfectionists might plan an extensive project but fail to start because they fear they've got the inability to achieve the perfect vision. Um, Accuracy perfectionists might redo their work time and time and time again and try to fix it or go to great lengths to find the perfect materials to complete it. Ding, ding, ding. That might be uh, a few people might be having their... Um, and then they get disappointed and they give up, you know. They wanted to find the perfect shade of yarn to, you know, stitch up something or whatever. They kept buying different products to finish the project and none of them were just right. So these are really common, especially with, um, with my hoarding clients. But most of us kind of had this idea that there is a right way to do something. And if we just knew what that was, <laughs> all our problems would poof, disappear and everything would be fabulous. But the re- reality is you can watch all the YouTube videos you want and how-tos in the world, but they can't tell you what to do in your circumstance. 
only you can kind of do that work. So it's important. Yes, you might need to find out how to do something on YouTube, but then you've got to be able to apply that to your own circumstances and, and, and change the, um, the way of doing it so it fits in with your life or your problem or whatever it might be. Only you can do the work. Yeah, exactly. That makes a lot of sense to me in terms of kind of the de-hoarding work I'm doing. I will Google or YouTube or listen to podcasts about particular recommendations on how to do things. But like with GCD, what I have to do is try them and see what sticks and see what suits me. And it's I'm having to learn that just because such and such an expert says do it this way, if I find doing 80% of it that way, but then doing it differently in another way works better for me. That's what I need to go with. And and I'm really trying to, when you were talking about kind of buying the perfect thing to, to achieve something, I have in the past massively overbought storage things because I need, partly because I was under the illusion that it was an organization problem rather than a amount quantity problem quantity problem yeah, yeah. Um, and if i could just organize it properly it would be fine which was quite deluded but yes i would buy some plastic storage crates and think oh yeah but that's not quite right because of this so i would buy some more but then i obviously keep the first ones and then i would buy some more and then i would like buy some shelves and i go well they're great but they're not quite what i expected so i need to buy these shelves to and it obviously all it does is expand and expand and expand and make the original problem worse. But you're under the illusion that because it's storage stuff, this is allowed stuff. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a qualified purchase. It's okay, you know, you, yeah. you're getting something to store the stuff in, so that makes it okay. And a lot of people do start there. Like a yeah. lot of clients say, "I got all this storage stuff, and now I don't know. I want you to help me put the things yeah. into storage." And, yeah, that's where we start to come up against it because that's, you know, nine times out of ten it's a volume problem, not a, yeah. not a storage problem. And, yeah, the number of plastic tubs you can. I have so you know, many. Different types, you know. You can find <laughs> so many different types. Yeah. Um, I've got into the real habit now, even with myself, I make sure I, me- I measure those damned shelves. I measure everything and I write it down and I draw a little a little picture in my diary and I write all, you know, depth, width, height so that I know exactly when I go to Ikea or wherever, I know whether it's going to fit. I'm not going to buy it and then think, oh, that was wrong. I can't be bothered returning it. Yeah. Ends up just dumped somewhere, you know. I just think writing down the exact measurements of the space you want to use the product in. Yeah. I mean, it's better just to get rid of stuff. but Yes, indeed. (laughs) So... At the moment, ADHD is the it's having its moment as a condition, <laughs> isn't it? Lots of people are self-diagnosing with ADHD. Lots of people are getting formal diagnoses of ADHD. If you go on TikTok, every third video is about ADHD, and um, to a lesser degree, autism. I think that had its degree it had its moment a few years ago, mm. but it means I've I I I don't believe I have ADHD, but I do recognize a lot of myself in a lot of what's talked about I just you know don't think I have it kind of to a clinical degree or anything like that but what I find is that listening to tips for people with ADHD is quite useful to me even though I don't have it so that's the preamble so it means I've heard a lot about it over the last few months and procrastination looks to me a lot like what people with ADHD and autism mean when they talk about particular aspects of executive dysfunction such Mm. as being unable to meet deadlines being late everywhere but because of a kind of profound inability to get moving or get started how would you say they're related? Yeah, I think, I mean, the research has found that there's a relationship between procrastination and all of the things that we're talking about there, impulsivity, self-monitoring, planning, organising, activity shifting, um, task initiation and monitoring, emotional control, working memory, all of that stuff are all the same areas that are impacted in ADHD, inattentive type. And this comes back to that whole we're looking at symptoms and 
and syndromes and we're giving them names but they kind of cut across there's yes. situations that cut across so many different um, disorders but often and as you say like looking at those tips and tricks for people with ADHD is probably a really good place to start um, often people with ADHD will not stick with a task because something else is more interesting um, and exciting fun or or whatever, um, they get stuck on a task, usually something creative that they really love and they just get kind of in that hyper-focused state and then every the whole day's gone and they've not done the things that they intended to do. But one of the ones that really intrigues me is poor concept of time. So being unable to estimate how long things take to complete and then grossly underestimating, you know, um, how long it takes leads them to miss their deadlines and, and, yeah. and cause lateness. Like they really can't conceptualise how, how long something's going to take. And that's really, that really plays into all of those things, deadlines, um, lateness, and not being able to get moving because they think, oh, well, it surely will only take five minutes. But the other thing is being overcommitted and tending to add activities before they take something away. So, and then they're unable to kind of prioritise what's most important and yeah. then le- that leads to that chronic lateness and missed deadlines. Um, I was talking to someone a little while ago and that was one of the things she said. She just takes everything on. Oh, there's a new activity, there's a new job that must be done at her kid's school or at work. And without actually thinking about how much time that job will take, just accepting it. And then that means that all the other things that are maybe not as interesting but are more important get pushed to the back and she does the things that she enjoys the most. And then there's just this mess of priorities and no one's managing anything. So I think that's a real big one. They tend to add before they subtract. Um, And if you can start thinking that way, Ah, oh, I'm adding this new job. What will I need to take away if I really want to do this? I think that's kind of something that is is good to think about for both people with a hoarding, you know, a hoarding um, history or or someone who has ADHD. I think, and it's the same for people with kind of a complex PTSD kind of background. They have similar kind of symptoms to ADHD. So it, it's it's across a lot of different disorders, I think. And what you're saying there about adding before subtracting made me immediately think of even just assertiveness as well. Some people are mm. asked to join a committee or help out and either don't know how to say no or don't value themselves and their time enough to say no. And so take on and take on and take on, not even intentionally, but just because they can't can't say no to people yes I had I read it I read an article by this person on um on on medium that I follow and she struggles with hoarding disorder and she said she's got trouble with boundaries generally and she has this inability to know when something is enough or too much like not being able to kind of balance it up and I think that's exactly what you're talking about there not having the boundaries to be able to say no I know that this is my capability um I want you know not being able to say no instead you say yes because you want people to like you and you want people to you know appreciate what you're doing and all of those things that's fine but chances are you will disappoint someone yeah you know, and it probably will be yourself at the end of the day. But it's that idea. I thought that was really interesting that she talked about that, saying, oh, I haven't got boundaries with stuff coming into my home. I don't know when it's enough or too much. Perhaps that's something more broadly impacting my life in other areas as well. So I think boundaries are kind of an interesting topic. Yeah. Particularly in hoarding. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think almost in so many ways as you say that I'm thinking about boundaries in terms of bringing stuff in boundaries in terms of we've kind of almost got too tight boundaries in 
in some ways and to loose boundaries in other ways. So our boundaries for kind of what can be taken out, for instance, suddenly get very tight and controlled. Boundaries for what's yeah. coming in get very loose and, oh, yeah, whatever. Oh, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, I might, oh, I'll err on the side of caution and I'll get it. You know, that's the, oh, I, you know, the boundary of <laughs> one of the other things is that kind of boundary of um, discomfort too. Like <laughs> you don't want to feel uncomfortable so you do everything you can to kind of remain comfortable and that can actually backfire quite significantly. Yes, I think a lot of people have, and I certainly used to have, I don't think I'm there now, but a lot of people will do anything to avoid discomfort, will do the most extreme things to avoid sitting with a feeling of discomfort. And once Mm. I recognized I was doing that, and I realized that it was almost ridiculous that I was putting myself through worse things in order to avoid something that, you know, would just feel uncomfortable for a bit. As soon as I recognized I was doing it, I addressed it quite quickly and quite easily. But some people are really stuck in that place where they'll do anything to avoid discomfort. Exactly. And that's very act, you know, that's very acceptance and commitment therapy kind of yeah. language, you know, that dis- not, not being able to manage that discomfort. So the whole, you know, the roundabout way that we avoid discomfort is, you know, probably much more um, painful and much more disruptive than actually just going straight to the source and feeling the discomfort uh, because it will pass. It passes. If a big problem in your house is clothes and you're in a clothes shop and you see something that you really, really like, then you can either tolerate discomfort there and then and leave it in the shop or you can avoid tolerating that discomfort and create long-term discomfort by buying it. Mm, mm, And if if you're buying it to avoid feeling a bit sad that you can't buy it, it's a bigger problem than just feeling a bit sad and then invariably forgetting about it. By oh, the you'll evening. forget about it. Yeah, you'll forget. That's for sure. I mean, it's that whole, what you know, um, I think I've written about it in the newsletter at one point, just that whole, oh, that's a future gen problem, you know, oh, I'll worry yeah. about that later. And that's part of that. What we do when we procrastinate is we're, you know, we're biased towards comfort and enjoyment right in the moment at um you know at the risk of having having to deal with all of that in the future and it's a lot bigger in the future because it will snowball and it will get bigger 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 um so kind kind of trying to take that future orientation when you're in the moment and thinking it through you know how will that potentially impact you know if I come home with four new dresses you know, how will that then impact on what I have, um, firstly, in my bank account, secondly, in the house, you know, where will I put it, what will I get rid of, you know, all of those things. Um, I think if you think that through, you might just throw the towel in and go, oh, no, I can't be bothered, I don't need new dresses. And you you walk out and you saved all that money, time and effort. Yeah. I think that what would future me want me to do is kind of a good question. <laughs> Yeah, I've got um, an episode coming up in a few weeks with questions to ask yourself when you're sorting through stuff. Mm. And spoiler alert, one of the ones I came across and liked is something along the lines of, does keeping this contribute to the vision I have for my home? Mm. and that's a peter walshy one that's kind of peter Walsh. Yeah, yeah it's it's um it puts it in a context wider than oh i just quite like it mm. yeah exactly oh i like it i want to keep it because i like it mm, how much where's it going to go you know <laughs> does it contribute to your overall vision mm. no mm, no like oh this candle smells nice I should keep it because it smells nice. Does it contribute? No, it doesn't at no. all. I will never light it. I know that. You know, it, oh. it, and it's something else to dust should I ever get to that stage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just more stuff to pick up and dust around. I always think of that too. Yeah. Is it a dust catcher? Is it going to be something that really will frustrate me and cause me extra work in the long term? Yes, probably. Exactly. It's gone. 
Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Looking specifically at procrastination around de-hoarding, what can people do when they feel totally stuck? Yeah, um, we've just been talking a little bit about emotion regulation and you were talking about that whole okay there's some discomfort there feel it rather than try to avoid it that's a big part of it because that's what's happening to you when you flick the procrastination switch because you feel a little bit like you're oh I don't know what I'm doing but if you sit back and kind of feel that that can really improve your ability to move through some of these emotional kind of blockers but we don't feel like doing things because they're hard and it takes effort and we might have to face up to our poor decisions or you know our buried emotions or guilt or regret um and that's one of the ones with hoarding that's what people are up against if I do this if I push through and I actually start doing it then I have to face up to those things that I'm not proud of and that's that self-esteem piece as well You know, we put things off until we feel like doing them um, and then our emotions dictate our actions. But, you know, we know that emotions are signposts and they don't control us. Blocking them out is counterproductive. Being consumed by them is masochistic. Um, But their emotions are information to be processed, not rules to follow or feelings to avoid. So that's really important to remember that as you... Um, as you have that the fear, the feeling that you want to procrastinate. But one of the things I think can really help if you're super stuck is journaling, uh, because I feel like we rarely externalize this stuff. You know, we rarely kind of turn it over and have a look at it from different angles. I mean, that's kind of how a therapist can help you. I mean, many of us need someone else to kind of reflect back our emotions and thoughts and question our behaviors before we can really see them for what they are. So that's where a therapist comes in. But, you know, you don't have to have a therapist to be your own in a way. Journaling is really important, I think, in this journey that you're on. But write down how you feel and why you think you're blocked and be as honest as you can. Um, No one has to see it. Uh, And then leave it for a day and come back and reflect on those thoughts and be curious <laughs> um, and approach that journal writing as an experiment. You know, there's no need for judgment. You're trying to make a change. It's a small step. Um, even if it's just one line, one thing, one single line every day, I think it's the perfect place to kind of explore your values and talking through before you were saying about um, how does this object contribute to my vision for my home, well, how does this object contribute to the vision of my future or, you know, of how I want to live my life? Is this moving me towards it or away from it? And there is an answer. You know, it is a yes or a no question really, Yeah, I think. But, um, you know, how, how do you want to live and then taking actions towards that? 
Um, but taking the time to work through those values is a really good place to start because then you can filter that down into, um, you know, what your habits are going to be, how you're going to build your habits from there in order to achieve that overall way of living or way of being. So that's kind of up up here as a, as a direction. And then from there, you need to kind of look at, well, what are the things I need to do? I mean, if we wait for the motivation fairy to arrive, it's likely that the situation <laughs> will just become more stressful and overwhelming. <laughs> she hasn't visited here for a while. <laughs> yeah, and it becomes more critical. And the action is taken out of our hands sometimes, you know, and external people have to um, intervene. But healthy habits are what we really need to cultivate. Um, And if you're feeling totally stuck, I'm not sure if you've read James Clear's Atomic Habits. Yes, I I listened to it on audiobook. Ah. Really interesting. Yeah, I when I first bought the book, I kind of thought, hmm, it seems awfully simple or it seems awfully like, but I was blown away. I was really blown away when I read it and I kind of looked at some of the things he'd made suggestions around. I was like, yes, you are so correct. So the couple of things that he says about making changes and conquering procrastination, the first thing is we need to get real with ourselves and recognise the bad habits that are actually contributing to that dysfunction in our home environment. And he rightly suggests that success is often about making good habits easy and bad habits hard. And it's so simple, but it's it's spot on. So there's heaps of ideas, but a couple of the most powerful ones were start small. I mean, minute. Yeah. So we need to master the art of showing up. So trying that two-minute rule that he suggests in his book may sound kind of bogus, but Whatever the habit is that you wish to develop, scale it down to a two-minute version. So your habit might be you want to have a clear kitchen table every day. So clear the kitchen table becomes discard three items of rubbish or you might want to walk walk for one hour per day. That becomes put my runners on and tie my shoelaces, you know, and it's just that starting It's that kicking yourself over. That's all you have to do. And sometimes you may say to yourself, I am only allowed to do two minutes of this activity. I have to stop. Yeah. I must stop before I do more than two minutes because that way, you know, you've done it and you also still feel good. (laughs) You don't feel defeated by it. It's still, well, I did two minutes. It's amazing what I can do in two minutes. It's It's a tick for the day. And then you can move on to do the fun stuff. Yeah, there's a story I heard once, and it might have actually been in that book, but I'm not sure. And there was some kind of program for people who wanted to start cooking from scratch every day when they currently didn't. Ah. And what this program involved, I think the first week was when you come in from work, you go into the kitchen and out again. And then the second week was when you come in from work, you go into the kitchen and put a pan on the stove. Don't do anything else. That's it. And so you do that for another week. And then, you know, it was that degree of building. Because, of course, you can cook. You might you might come in from work and think, I can't cook from scratch. But, of course, you can go in and out of the kitchen. And then once you've done that for a week, of course, you can just get a pan and put it on the stove. That's no, you know, trouble at all because you're not going to have to do anything with it. And it was built up over and people initially thought it was ridiculous but it Mm. it wasn't it absolutely made it wasn't it worked yeah and I get a lot of people oh three throwing away three things or throwing away one thing every day oh that's it's going to take me years to move through all of this well it's one more thing than yeah (laughs) it's one more thing than you threw out yesterday or the day before you know and and that is the way you will get habit the habits will build up because you'll start to get to the point where you've put the pan on the stove and you'll go, oh, I know what I'll do. I've got some leftovers I'll reheat, you know, and then it just kind of flows on. Yeah. And then you're, you're in that routine of going into the kitchen every night when you get home and then the next thing that triggers in your mind, put the 
put the pot on the stove and then the next step and it just builds you know and that's one of his ideas too is that whole building on top of other habits in order to kind of build like a habit kind of sandwich or I can't remember what he calls it but I really like that too Um, but you have to keep doing that two-minute habit consistently Mm. before you can take it to that next stage because you haven't got anything to build on unless you've got that habit happening. So um, no, I think that's really key. The habit stacking thing, I you could tell my entire life is a series of techniques. It's the only way I can get through the day. But the habit stacking is... There's, um, no, there's no shame in that. No. I, <laughs> I know myself well enough. I know what I need. Um, I One thing I'm doing with that regard is every time I go in the bathroom... I pick five things up and put them either where they're supposed to be or in the bin. Because obviously you go in the bathroom however many times a day, you go, oh, I I can pick five things up. Like, that's fine. There's an empty toilet roll holder here on the floor. Put that in the bin. There's 12 bottles of shampoo when I only need two at most. And you go in and you go, oh, well, I may as well do it. It's only five things. And it's attached to something I do several times a day. And it's just much easier than going, right, I'm going to blitz the bathroom. Exactly. And blitzing the bathroom will take an hour and then you procrastinate because an hour is too long. Uh, You can't possibly squeeze that in. Um, And it's the same with exercise, isn't it? I mean, all these things are kind of similar in a way to, you know, we all need to exercise more. We all need to, you know, eat, eat better. We all need to do all of these things, but it's much easier to procrastinate. But if you do such that, such a tiny, tiny piece and you keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, it will then create that groove in your mind. You know, there'll be a, you know, a high speed track towards that habit um where before there wasn't and that's what you're looking to do it's making those making those connections that you don't have to think you won't have to ponder any longer about whether it's five things you just kind of automatically do it yeah and I think that's I think habit is I mean hoarding is a is a disorder but I think some of the things are habitual that we we get into that routine and we may use that, oh, I have, a, I have this hoarding disorder as a kind of blanket statement. But there are things you can change if you're willing to try and create new habits, which I think is really positive. I think that's a really kind of exciting thing to think about, that if I can learn how to change my habits, I can actually make a huge change in my space and in my life. I think that's kind of really it's quite empowering empowering yeah I think so too and that's what I think you know when I'm when I'm working with my clients I try to make sure that I connect with you know some of these habits that they started you never used to do that before you know it was always save 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 and reflecting back on that gives them you know a great sense of achievement which you know we want to be feeling good about ourselves that's what you know that's that's life we want to feel like we're achieving something and hey two minutes if it takes two minutes yeah that's all you said something in there that I thought was worth highlighting and you may want to talk about again just to expand on a bit you said I think it was emotions of feelings that haven't been processed is that what you said yeah emotions are information to be processed yeah and I think that it's it's emotions are there they have a reason for being like they're there for a reason but that is just information it's not you know it it, it, we need to reflect on that and say oh okay again it's the curiosity piece it just changes the perspective on things and I think that really makes a huge difference and also when you were talking about journaling and or therapy as a way of kind of getting clarity. There are some people who are just brilliant at asking the right question that makes you reframe everything. I remember a previous place I used to work, we had to do a lot of thinking about kind of ethics and the ethics and morals of the organisation and how what positions we were going to take and how it was going to work and we would be battling these things out behind the scenes relentlessly and then there was one woman who worked there who after days of us battling would come in and just ask one question and we'd all go oh yeah 
and be decided because she phrased it a certain way and she had a particular outlook that made us realize that we, in this case, made us realize that we weren't on opposite sides. We were just trying to get the right thing in the right order, you know, or whatever it was. But she, I remember being gutted when she left for that reason. I was like, who is going to resolve with one question these endless arguments we have in the back? You know, at the back, not arguments, but, you know, just discussions that went on. Yeah. And so sometimes I am all for journaling. I think journaling is great. And I am all for therapy if that's accessible to somebody. Mm. But sometimes you might have a person in your life who is great at helping you resolve dilemmas, even if you don't tell them the full story. Just simplify. Somebody who can simplify things in that kind of way. Yeah, like kind of a walking journal prompter. <laughs> it's like a journal prompter that just goes, think about it this way. <laughs> Have you <Yeah>. thought about <laughs> when was the last time you... Yeah, Exactly. And good therapists are, are great at that often. You come in with a big kind of muddle, like a ball of wool that's all tangled up and you leave with a very neat ball of wool that's nicely rolled up because they asked the right questions in the right way that got you to rethink. Yeah, and that's what we hope. That's that's our dream, that we do that. That's like, <laughs> that's what we want people to say we've done. <laughs> yeah, and it's not going to be magic every session. and It's not going to be endless breakthroughs, but it's an ongoing process, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. And if you're asking the right questions, then hopefully you're helping that other person just clarify. Yeah. And we can't, we, you know, we're there next to you. We're not, we're not there to tell you what to do because, you know, that's notoriously <laughs> fraught with peril, giving people advice. You know, it's more, well, what do you think about these, you know, about this particular situation? Hopefully that leads to more clarity and leads to, you know, more, more peace and more hope. That can even just come from asking yourself if you have a I can't statement in your head I can't do this saying why that one word alone can make you realize okay well I think I can't because of this but actually and that can resolve something Mm, exactly yeah for sure so if that's the way you're procrastinating ask yourself some strategic questions you'll get there You'll get there. Yep, that's true. In just one second, I'll give you my top tip of the week. In the meantime, please do subscribe to the podcast, review it, five stars would be amazing, and share it with your friends or anyone who might be interested or who might benefit from it. It all really helps. To find more ways to support the website, the podcast, and my overall dehoarding project, go to overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash support. Now back to your top tip. So this week's top tip is coming from Dr. Jan herself. Jan, give us your top tip of the week. When you feel this is too much, try asking, what do I need? Am I behind? Try asking, what can I celebrate? If you feel I messed up, try, what did I learn? This isn't working. Try, what tweak can I try? I love it. I feel like I need that to be my ringtone on my phone. (laughs) What what do I need? (laughs) Jan's voice asking me clever questions. So thank you, Jan, for as ever your wisdom and also your top tip, which is a great one. How can people find you online if they want to? Well, you can uh, go to my website, stuffology.com.au or Instagram at stuff underscore ology, Twitter, at stuff underscore ology um, or just, you know, send me an email, jan at stuffology.com.au. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Overcome Compulsive Hoarding podcast. You can find more online at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk. You can find me on Twitter at thathoarder.com and on Facebook at Overcome Compulsive Hoarding with That Hoarder. 
To find out more about how you can support this podcast and the overall project, go to overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk forward slash support and do subscribe to this podcast so you make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Getting professional support as a hoarder can make all the difference. Having somebody on your side who can help you to learn about yourself and make progress in your home is invaluable, but finding an affordable therapist can be a nightmare. Accessing therapy online gives you the option to find the right person who doesn't even have to be in the same country as you, never mind the same town or city. OnlineTherapy.com offers a weekly live session with a CBT therapist for individuals or couples. It offers unlimited messaging, worksheets, a journal, and even yoga and meditation videos to help you cope. I have a special link for you that will get you a discount at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash online therapy. As you know, I've had CBT, and two years later, I still use the realizations I had about myself as well as the skills I learned. Listeners tell me that you've started to use some of the skills I've shared on this podcast. CBT is a therapy with a broad evidence base that is widely used for a range of mental health difficulties, including hoarding. OnlineTherapy.com specializes in CBT, and if you're not happy with your therapist, you can change to a new one with the click of a button. And prices start at $40 a week, which, if you've seen a therapist before, you'll know is incredibly cost-effective. What's more, if you use my link, you can get a whopping 20% off your first month. So sign up at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash online therapy and get 20% off your first month with your new online CBT therapist.